0: Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harsberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharsberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, go to www.martinharshberger.com/supply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. I'm Martin Harshberger, the host. With Gary Sipka, who's uh, representing Sipka Associates, uh, a uh, executive search firm specializing in manufacturing. Welcome, Gary. Welcome. Thank you
1: very much. I'm glad to be here. Well, tell us about what you do. I'm an executive search consultant uh, focusing on the automotive industry here in Detroit, Michigan. Is that a, is that a regional thing or uh, global,
0: or how, how does it? What, what you well, it,
1: yeah, you know, it, everything I do, Martin, is is automotive and it's relationship built. So my, most of my clients, uh, because Detroit is still the capital of the uh, automotive industry are based out of Detroit, but uh, I do searches all over North America. I've done searches in Canada and also in Mexico for my clients. So wherever their facilities are located, a lot of the searches are uh, manufacturing, so they may have plants anywhere in the U.S.
0: Yeah, I know. In, in the South here, we've got I think 13 plants within a probably a overnight drive around where I'm at. Uh, Mercedes, BMW, Toyota. Uh,
1: yeah, a lot of the a lot of the the uh, European and the German suppliers, autumn uh, OEMs, uh, you know, have located in those areas. That is correct.
0: Yeah. So you support those areas as
1: well. That is yes, sir. Okay, good. So how did you get started doing what you're doing? You know, almost by accident, uh, prior to getting into recruiting about 16 years ago, I owned a manufacturer's uh, rep agency and, uh, we sold for companies, uh, tier one and tier two suppliers, uh, based in North America and, and in Europe and, uh, towards things started winding down, uh, Supply bases were being shrunk. Um, so at one time we had, you know, 3,000 uh, suppliers to the automotive industry, and that was shrinking to, you know, well under a 1,000. So uh, I did a little pivot uh, around 2004 and kind of fell into recruiting almost by accident. Interesting. Talk to a little bit more about the supply chain
0: shrinking because uh, that's one, as I said, this is manufacturing supply chain CEOs. One of the reasons I started this podcast is to try to help manufacturers and supply chains work together, but you're exactly right. Uh, I assume you mean a lot about moving offshore and being
1: concentrated in one area. Well, I think, you know, what happened is you had a lot of mergers acquisitions uh, through the late 90s. Uh, the, the Automotive industry was trying to work with mega suppliers. So companies went through a lot of acquisitions uh, and mergers and pricing became uh, a key part of it. So you had some suppliers that uh, went out of business because they uh, uh, were trying to be competitive and grow their business. And they did that with price. Yeah, that's one of the things I've seen with clients. I,
0: I try to stay under 100 million uh, with companies I work with because- I'm too old to be frustrated dealing with big companies. <laughs> but yeah, uh, there's a difference, that's for sure. Yeah, the politics and so on. But one of the things that I've seen is this those big supply chains, you know, that's great for uh GM or Ford or, or whoever, but with dealing with uh, smaller manufacturers, that really puts them in a disadvantage because they're trying to compete with the attention and and everything with those with those
1: large companies where you know 20 years ago they didn't have to do that. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think the as as the industry was consolidating, the companies got so big, and you know, it's it's a beast, and it uh, they can't always uh, pivot as fast as the smaller companies. So it's it's a it's an advantage for them, and they can pivot, but it's really harder to have that impact uh, when you're of that scale. Let's say.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I- something I've seen in the last 15 years changed significantly. Where's your, where's your business currently with the impact
1: of the past year uh, relative to manufacturing uh, need? Yeah. You know, uh, there's a war on talent and, and it's, uh, it's probably the thing that most CEOs are worried about now more than anything else, the economy <clears throat> they're okay with. Their concern is really it, it talent and it's uh not so much the manufacturing side, but the the thing they're really facing is getting people into their plants producing parts. You know, I've talked to CEOs that said the biggest struggle they have is getting hourly people um, into the operations and trying to keep up with the manufacturing demands they have. Uh, they they need people on the executive side, but their real focus now seems like more than anything is is on the hourly. Uh, people in their plants.
0: Do you, are you involved in that?
1: No, sir. Everything we do is—I uh, want to again, Martin. It's—it's—it's it's, it's relationship built. So we're doing middle level to executive positions. But if there's a relation, you know, I have a relationship there. So if it's a, a program manager or a project engineer, and they're they have a need for that, we'll do that also.
0: I guess and maybe I'm wrong. I just just to ask a question. Executives in the automotive business typically grow through the through the plant, don't they? I mean, you're not really hiring cold, you're hiring experience all the time, I would
1: think. Yeah, pretty much so. I mean, I think that it was there's a lot of correlations now, I think, between uh, this pandemic and the Great Recession. Um, and, and part of the, what's really interesting to me was during the Great Recession, you saw a lot of layoffs. And up until that point, Martin, people in the automotive industry really weren't uh, f- fired or let go. They just kind of moved them someplace else. Um, and, and during the Great Recession, the cutbacks were so deep that people that had never lost a job before found themselves on the street. And what happened is the people that were still there were thankful and very loyal and grateful they had a job. But what happened was, as we came out of the recession, uh, they were still working tremendous hours. They were burning the candles at both ends. And it was getting very, very difficult. And we're seeing, and their loyalties were all of a sudden saying that, I love, I I appreciate what's happened to me, but I can't keep at this pace. And we're seeing the same thing now uh, with the, with the pandemic. Uh, People are working from home. That's fine. Most of them like it, but they're really probably all working more hours. Uh, And again, that's, what's driving the talent. Most people right now will tell you that if the right opportunity came, they would make a change, especially if they could continue to work from home and name their own hours. Yeah. I agree
0: with them, the hourly thing. We, uh, My wife works with a company down here that uh, does some of that with hourly people and the tier one suppliers, they can't staff them. Uh, yeah. can. The turnover is tremendous. Uh,
1: yeah. They're spending a lot of time in bringing people in training them. And then they lose them again. They, yeah. they don't stay long. Right. And um, it, it's just, it, I, I really feel for my, uh, uh, for my clients, because a lot of them just cannot—they're—they're they're worried about if the volumes go up anymore, how are they going to supply product.
0: Exactly,
1: uh, that's part of what's wrong with the supply chain now, too. I
0: think is you know the delays—they uh, can't ramp back up because they can't get people hired. Correct. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, what's your differentiator? Just the
1: relationships. Yeah, you know the the, the biggest thing i see right now is again these are the larger companies that they're looking for talent and let's say it's at mid-level or executive level and they're posting positions online and it's what i call the the post and pray and so they they have a website they put this position up and they're they're hoping that people that are really busy are going to find them on their website and you know, I I have a newsletter that I send out and, and I, I surveyed the people in the newsletter. And it was amazing to me that the, the numbers that came back, uh, something like uh, well over 50% of the respondents said they were approached more than 20 times in the last year by an executive recruiter that they didn't know um, about about positions. And wow. the, other thing that, the other thing that came out was that almost 60% of the respondents rated the recruiters that contacted them as being um, below average when it came to knowledge of the client, uh, the position, and the, um, uh, uh, the company itself. And that was very, very frustrating to them. So people are trying to find talent and they're they're doing this post and pray. And Martin, the statistic is that, uh, that over 80% of the online applications are not viewed by a human being. So it's all done by artificial intelligence and people will submit their resumes and a, a human being never sees it. It's kicked out for because it didn't have enough keywords in there. So really? candidates are, yeah, oh. candidates are frustrated. Uh, they're applying for jobs that they are qualified for, but no one even responds to them. So it, it, again, it's it's more of a, um, uh, to answer a question, I guess, mine's based upon relationship and a lot of these larger companies and even some of the smaller ones, it's transactional. So it's very impersonable. Here's the position, apply. Uh, We may get back to you, we may not. And so the differentiating point for me is, again, that personal relationship.
0: Yeah, I I understand what you're saying. One of the the questions I always ask uh, on this this, uh, program with companies is where do you think the industry is going, the biggest threats and opportunities? And you play right into that because the biggest threat in manufacturing is people right now, period. a lot of you know manufacturing for years was seen as a great job, uh, steady that kind of thing. You know now it's not a, uh, a glamorous job, and it's not drawing young people or even college graduates. You know they're not they're not going into manufacturing and, and you know, uh, engineering and things that support
1: manufacturing. Uh, how do you see that affecting the industry moving forward? Well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, on the technical side, if you if you look at it, the um, a few years ago it it were it was mechanical engineering and those were the probably you know the most desirable in in the engineering field. Now there's a switch to obvious, for the obvious reasons electrical and and that is you know there's a shortage there on the technical side and trying to find those people, it's very, very difficult and and again if you if you have a relationship with people, most of the people i reach out to, Uh, I get responses from because I've dealt with them in the past. And there's other times I don't, but, you know, how do you, how do you create that relationship? And I I tell my clients, look, the the best time to do a search is when you're not really looking for someone. Absolutely. So instead, instead of waiting until so-and-so retires and, 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 and I get a call and say, we need to replace John because he's leaving at the end of the month give me six months notice. You know, he's retiring or he's moving on. Uh, Let's, and because when I can reach out to candidates and just talk to them and get to know them, um, I find out a lot more and I can provide my clients with, with better candidates that are suited for the job because I wasn't interviewing them. Martin, I was just getting to know them. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's, I think, the 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 secrecy, uh, the secret sauce, if you would. Um, I always have a guarantee with my clients, and it's six months and sometimes it's a year. Um, I've been doing this sixteen years, and I've never had to replace a candidate. That's interesting. and Martin, and for the longest time, I thought it was just luck, and what I finally realized after doing some research was I was hiring for attitude yes. and that's a key. I agree. It really is, and one of the one of the guys that uh, we used to represent used to say, "Give me a C student with A drive over an A student with C drive any day of the week."
0: Absolutely, I, I'd support
1: that. Have and when kids? I'm look when I'm look working on an assignment, I always take the attitude is that what I want to work with this person, what I want to work for this person. What I want, what I want them working for me, and those are the candidates. When I can say yes to all of those, those are the those are the three or four candidates that I'll put in front of my client. And if I can get to know them far enough in advance, when it's not an interview, it's just getting to know them and creating that relationship. Uh, I found that I, I was putting good candidates in front of the clients, and many times they were having a Difficult choice on which one is best. Great choice to have. Yes, sir. I, I'm curious. Uh, with all the
0: you know, you mentioned the, uh, the the online hiring and the algorithms and so on. It seemed like uh, that would be an opportunity for you to present to your potential clients. Say, look, you're wasting. It's easy to throw out a, a resident, look, throw out a job on it. I don't want to mention names, but the, the online sites. But, you know, if you have to sift through all that yourself and uh, do you do any kind of preemptive sales with those people?
1: You know, it, it's uh, most of the time I'm dealing with the president and CEO, the hiring manager um, on searches and, and it will get moved over to, you know, the HR, the talent acquisition people because uh, I have to work with them and, and, and they're great people to work with, but it's, it, they're overwhelmed a lot of times. And going back to what I said earlier, the emphasis is on trying to fill the plants so much that it, it's really, really hard. And, and I try to, I make that pitch to the clients. It, it sounds self-serving to them sometimes. Um, and especially with a new client, someone I'm talking to, it's really a hard pill for them to swallow because they say, well, you know, we, we have this. System set up and we're we're applicant tracking systems and it does all the workforce, and they don't realize the downside to it. I think their turnover rate is higher, uh, because it's it's based on algorithms. Um, You know, over the years, I've had candidates tell me some things that really really surprised me, because I was getting to know them, and you can't you can't you can't see that in a resume. You can't find that in a 5 minute um discussion real quick on a on a you know on an interview yeah uh and and i've seen some great resumes from some very bad candidates and i've seen some very very uh, seen just the opposite some candidates that were stunning that just didn't put a resume together very well and let's face it martin some people interview better than others you know you it's gotcha. a it's it's a skill set and um, in, if you do one or two interviews, um, you can make a mistake, and, and companies do. That happens all the time.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's right. So I was wondering if you had data you put together and say, look, because really your competition is the online. It's not other recruiters. It's it's uh, the AI. I guess is what everybody's looking at right now.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm not the only one in town doing this, obviously. And there's some very, very good, talented people doing the same thing. But it's for the larger companies, it's it's a challenge, right? Because they have big departments and they're multi-million billion dollar companies. Yeah. On the other end, the smaller companies, a lot of you mentioned the companies you work with, they they struggle with the fact that I'm paying a fee to a hired gun. And and that's a struggle for some of them. It really, really is. Okay. But what they don't realize is you get what you pay for. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. Some of that, the fee is, is prohibitive, you know, for a smaller company. It, it really is. They, they, they really have, they really, and I understand it. Uh, but when you try to, if I can explain to them that if you get the right person in there uh, they're going to make their money back tenfold. I, I agree with that. I, I just,
0: I know also that how that tight some of the cash is with, with them and, and mm-hmm. it is a trade off. That's a, it's a little harder sell with a smaller company. Yeah, but It really is also a bigger
1: need. You can't afford to make a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, yeah. And, and that's that, you know, with a, and, and you know, a cultural fit with a, with a big company, a billion dollar company, you can have a, want to say a bad apple and, and, and they'll, I don't say it's accepted, but they can tolerate it. But if you've got a, an office here in Detroit uh, and you're a European company, and there's 10 people in that office, one bad apple can really cause a lot of problems, right? Yep. Um, from a cultural standpoint, the group no longer, there's not the synergy, they don't get along. And the next thing you know is they lose someone uh, that they didn't want to lose because of that. So I think it's even more important for smaller companies to make good hires uh, because it, it has a bigger impact.
0: Well, I, I usually have my last question is, what, what advice would you give CEOs? And I think you've kind of done that all along. Uh,
1: relative yeah. To yeah, I think, you know, it's everyone talks about it, you know, how important it is. But I I still see them making, you know, the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, and environment, though, they're getting forced into
0: <laughs> to, the, the lesser of two evils, really. I mean, the workforce is so thin. You know you're not hiring the right but you're trying to hire the least objectionable I guess is the way to put it sometimes
1: it, it, it's that yeah but again look long term what's what's and I can argue both sides of that is making a bad hire that causes problems uh, or 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 not making it higher and working your people to you know longer hours and you end up losing them it, yeah. it, there's no easy answers right um it, it's difficult and is it going to end i will it get better i, I don't know when but it 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 will turn around well the, the biggest thing i've seen too with
0: my clients is is as people start aging out there's nobody falling in behind them and the, you know two of them die and machinists and, and
1: maintenance workers you know, working on equipment um, the the trades it's it's yeah. a shame what's happened to that portion because that was Man, that's honorable work and a skill set that uh, not everybody has. But, boy, we sure need it. And how do you how do you replace those people, right? Um, uh, exactly. The young kids today, they, they have different interests. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's not stuff they want to go into. But those that do have some great careers, they really do. For sure, yeah. Well, listen, Gary, I appreciate you taking time. Uh, how, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, Email um, is uh, my first name, Gary, G-A-R-Y, at my last name, SIPTA, S-C-Y-P-T-A dot com. Uh, on the website, uh, SIPTA Associates, uh, they can find me there also. That's great. Or All if right. they'd like, they can they can call me directly at uh, 734-968-9230. All right. That, that, try to put that in your show notes as well gary thanks again for stopping by it was uh, it was informative martin thank you so much it's been an honor and a privilege and uh continued success and best of luck to you
0: thanks for listening to manufacturing and supply chain ceos if you're a successful ceo in manufacturing or supply chain If you'd like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharshberger.com/slash/apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content make sure you don't miss an episode go ahead and subscribe your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show you can connect with me on social media i'm on linkedin at uh, martin Harshberger, uh, or through my website www.martinharsberger.com again we appreciate it thanks for listening